This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Welcome everyone to today's program and boy, do I have a great guest for us today. My very special guest today is Dr. Bob Arnott, an internal medicine physician, an Emmy award-winning world-renowned broadcast journalist, author, former host of the Dr. Danger Reality TV series, and previously medical and foreign correspondent for NBC and CBS. Today we talk about topical pain solutions, so let's welcome our esteemed guest today, Dr. Bob Arnott. Welcome to the program, doctor. Hey, Ward, thanks much, so much for having me on, and thanks for all you're doing for your, for your loyal viewers out there in terms of improving the quality of their lives. Well, that's what we are aiming to do today, especially when we talk about pain relief. And I want to kind of kick off with a, I guess, kind of a loaded question. So for you, what is the significance of the American College of Physicians and the American Academy of Family Physicians issuing recommendations for the support and the use of the topical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs that we both know are called NSAIDs for treating acute non-low back pain from uh, mucoskeletal injuries in outpatient settings. Well, just just a phenomenal uh, sense of uh, relief and achievement. I have for years, uh, probably eight years now, really, you know, said that topical pain relievers are the way to go in terms of any pain you can touch, except as you point out the low back pain there. And the reason again is you look at the danger of NSAIDs, 16,500 deaths a year. Acetaminophen, 450 deaths a year, thought to be the safe alternative. Obviously, opioids. So I've long thought and said that topical pain relievers were the top choice. And now that you have these august bodies, the American Academy of Physicians and the American Academy of Family Practice coming out and saying that this is first choice is fantastic because, Ward, when you look worldwide, you know, we're, we're kind of the, the, the low end of the totem pole. I think it's a great first choice. And it's really a matter of changing mindset that we go into a pharmacy and you have acute pain that you select a topical pain reliever off the shelf as opposed to grabbing a bottle of pills. Well, shouldn't physicians today actually look at the topical pain relievers first before uh, making uh, prescription uh, recommendations? Absolutely. And that's the reason that these two august bodies have now come out and made these recommendations is that physicians, you know, have taken this oath, first do no harm. And the way you first do no harm with topical pain is to use a topical pain reliever. You know, I was talking to a very famous uh, professor at uh, the top medical school in America. And I said, okay, so you have someone come in and they have a little, you know, pain in their patella from arthritis. What are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going to give them, you know, a little acetaminophen. I said, well, you know, they come back six months later and they've had their liver transplant. Now what are you going to do? And then he goes, well, I'm going to give him some ibuprofen. I said, well, another three months has gone by and that uh, stomach ulcer is healed. And uh, there's such a real risk, you know, just automatically doctors think, well, I'm going to give these uh, oral pain medications. And yet there are real repercussions here in terms of, you know, uh, disability cost, you know, it ends up costing more if these patients have to be hospitalized, they have to treat a GI scary here, but because after all, on average across the United States, people can do reasonably well with oral pain relievers, but you know, you look, especially at older patients, 
you know, they have coronary artery disease, they have uh, GERD, you know, they have uh, the uh, acid can lead back up into their esophagus, they have lung disease and whatnot. Doctors like myself are loath to give them, give them yet another medication. Yeah, you know, the thing that I've, I've noticed, and you bring up the good point about the acetaminophen, the ibuprofen, of course, we know that especially with you know, in today's times, you know, people have been, or doctors have been saying, don't use the ibuprofen, especially if you're in a high risk group in the areas of, of COVID-19. So that may be a, a bigger problem that people are dealing with right now. Uh, but, you know, back in the day when we had things like Virox and Celebrex, and a lot of those things were taken off the market. And now, you know, we were looking at this opioid crisis it seems to me, and it's only logical, that topical pain relievers should absolutely be the first choice. But for a lot of my viewers out there, a lot of my listeners who are using these types of things, what are the differences between the topical pain relievers and the oral and the prescription pain pills that they may be using now? So it's interesting. If you take as an example, you know, a product that I've actually used on the Molokai race, which is probably the most grueling in the world, seven hours out in you know, waves that can crest up to 25 feet and break and winds that get up to 37 knots, uh, you know, is that they're safe, safe, safe. You know, uh, I uh, actually put two on my back and two on my knees for this race. They lasted all the way over. And, you know, my introduction is, was interesting because I've done this world championship race seven times now. And one of the first times that I did it, I took five uh, ibuprofen going out of the gate. I had the most terrible gastritis all the way over. I was doubled up on my board. I was sick to my stomach. It was miserable. And the following year, I used a topical pain reliever. It was, in fact, this uh, Salampas patch, which was able to stay on for the whole seven hours. And I had a great race. You know, I didn't have any stomach side effects uh, at all. So, you know, I, I felt terrific. Now, you know, in terms of the, the difference here, you have to look at the risk with topical pain relievers. I have not seen in the literature a single death. I haven't seen a single severe side effect, uh, you know, properly used. And by properly used, I mean, there were a couple of cases where, you know, somebody bathed themselves in the product and somebody else tried to, you know, lathering all over a baby. But I mean, if you're just reasonable about using these as directed, you know, there, there have been no deaths. And so it is ultimately the safest possible way for you to go. There's a very good study called the OPERA study showing that individuals on opioids are able to substantially reduce the opioids or even get off. And the same is true for other pain relievers that they're able to reduce or even get off those pain relievers by using the topical pain relievers. But it's all a mindset. It's all the mindset of the physician thinking, you know, I really ought to use this first because it's safest. And patients going into a pharmacy. Now, one other interesting point, Ward, in terms of COVID, and that is it, it's a two-edged sword. You know, people aren't going to emergency rooms or hospitals as much. We saw just yesterday the third of the staff of the Mayo Clinic has been infected tragically. And so people worry, you know, that the hospitals are a dangerous place to be. By and large, they're not. And you know, what I would say is, you know, if you think you're having an acute heart attack or a stroke, it's vital you go in now. You know, you will be protected. Uh, but if you have something that clearly is pretty minor, and you could do a televisit with your doctor, make sure it's minor. You're obviously saving money to be able to go into a drugstore and spend 12 or $13 for a topical patch. 
Uh, so it avoids exposure, of course, to a healthcare setting if you don't need to. Also, I've been monitoring CO2 levels recently, which is the best overall indicator of what the indoor air quality is. And as we know, as we look at COVID and we see these super spreader events, a big part of that is that you have to look at the virus now as airborne. Maybe it's just sitting and lingering the air, almost like someone smoked a cigarette. So if someone smoked a cigarette and you had great ventilation, it'd be out of there instantly. But if it weren't, it might be there for minutes, for, for hours, and it might even be there for days. So pharmacies, I actually was at a, a CVS pharmacy the other day. I had my little oxygen device. and It was almost as good as outside air. Phenomenal. You know, very unlikely that anyone would be infected there. And of course, the right mass would be okay. So just a way of saying that it's also, you know, a, a great uh, strategy during COVID as long as you don't have anything serious and life-threatening. And the best way to determine that, of course, is to do a televisit with your doctor. Well, you know, doctor, you have given us the best explanation of anything to do with COVID-19. And I highly appreciate that. And not only that, bringing your your knowledge to all of my viewers and listeners about this because you know a lot there's so many questions going on and in this country pain is the number one uh element people deal with and of course pain is caused by another underlying cause within the body it could be an injury it could be due to age and i was kind of really surprised and i'm kind of uh, enthusiastic now because you mentioned the salon pos and because you are a, I call you a pro uh, paddleboarder, and uh, and I'm surprised it was actually that waterproof to, to stay onto your body for a good seven hours. Well, now this is salt water. It's yeah. really rough. You're actually surfing down the waves. I actually must have fallen off dozens of times. I mean, it's just so unstable there. You know, I. I'm a coast paddler. I'm not used to these great big waves. So if they, these salon post patches actually did last all the way across on my back and on my knees. I was astounded uh, that they were that uh, salt water proof, especially with such water, you know, water that was so, so rough. And, wow. And, uh, I love that for. because all of my viewers and all of my listeners know that, you know, I'm an am amateur cyclist and down here in Texas, when it gets hot you get hot, you get sweaty so that's good to know. So I, I think I'm going to be heading down to the store and get a couple of those uh, salon passes for for the future rides because I know when, when I hit that 30, 40 mile mark, you know, you're just kind of wishing you had a little bit of something to take away some discomfort. Uh, no, so the let me ask you this. So I'm an avid, avid cyclist. Uh, where I am here in Vermont, we have uh, a 1,600 foot climb that I do every day on my mountain bike. And, uh, you know, my knees get a little sore. So I'll, I'll roll them out. I'll do some yoga and also put the slot pause patches on. What, what kind of cycling do you do? Uh, road, road cycling. More, I'm more, um, I'm more, I'm a speed demon. I'm a speed freak, I should say. And, uh, you know, I like to give it all I got. And, you know, for 2021, you know, part of me is thinking about doing some of, some of the racing, possibly time trials. So, you know, I, I cycle just about every single day. I never go anything less than 15 miles. And then definitely on the weekends, it's going to be 30, uh, 40 miles. And, you know, it's basically nonstop. I don't, I don't want to take any breaks. If I need water, I just reach down for that water bottle and keep on going. Uh, well, good for you. I actually have a, 
uh, a carbon fiber road bike and I've got the German lightweight wheels. I'm a, I'm a, a speed freak and whatnot, but you know, I've been doing more mountain biking only because it's so dangerous on the road. I don't know it's down there, but you know, you worry with, with the advent of texting, you know, it's almost the end of uh, road biking. But what is your advice about, are there any medical risk involved in using a lot of these over the counter pain pills? Well, they are, you know, within a single medical practice, you might not see too much. But the, the figures, the published figures are roughly 16,500 deaths a year from ibuprofen. And that can include stroke, heart attacks, stomach bleeds. The acetaminophen thought to be the safe choice can result in 450 deaths a year. It's varying year to year between the number one and number two reason people have to have liver transplants. Include the opioids. And we know about the opioids is that, well, they may work in the first few days or so, uh, they're not any more effective than the non-opioids in the long run. Uh, I recently had emergency surgery and I go, well, what are you going to give me? Expecting it to be some opioid. They go, you'll be fine. <laughs> so I just think, the, you know, you do want to think about the risk profile here and effectiveness. Now, here's an interesting thing, Ward. If you were to take and put a salon pause patch on your, your knee as an example, you know, as a cyclist, we all get knee pain with cycling. And you look the amount of drug that got right into where your pain was. Let's say this is your joint here. With the topical pain formulation, it's going right exactly where the pain is. You put it right on the pain and you will have something like 50 times more of the actual drug getting to that site. You take the same drug by mouth and it's going to go into liver, brain, kidneys, stomach, heart, I mean, all over your body where you really don't need it. So it's the most efficacious way of getting the most drug exactly where you need it. And it's no, no wonder that they work so well and that they actually can replace opioids because, you know, it's directly putting that onto the joint. And if you look at NSAIDs, you know, some of these do use NSAIDs, but you get roughly 3% into the circulation of what you would get with uh, an oral medication. So much, much safer. As I say, I look at the literature all the time and I've not seen, you know, a single death from these, uh, these topical pain relievers. The, you know, the only thing some people may get with some formulations that might get a little skin irritation, which is, you know, easily addressed, but certainly nothing serious and nothing draconian. Well, you know, I like that because, you know, if you're going to have pain in one localized area, you might as well just treat the localized area instead of creating possible problems with the rest of the body. And you bring up a good point because if you're swallowing those types of uh, cinnamonophen and ibuprofen, which we know can be very toxic to the liver, increase the liver problems if people, I mean, I've had people tell me that they go beyond what is recommended on the label. And I mean, I had a, I had a guy, he was taking like 20 of them a day just to relieve Jeez. pain. And I'm thinking, you're going to go in for a liver transplant if you don't stop that. <laughs> And so, you know, people need to realize just because it's okay, or let's say things are sold over the counter, doesn't make them completely safe in the, in the long run. And for all of my viewers and listeners out there, doctor, what questions should people be asking their physicians to find the best pain relief options just for them? Yeah, the first thing I would ask my physician is, what's the safest?
safest thing that I can do. I don't want to be addicted to opioids. I don't want to take any of the risk of oral pain relievers. I do. Look, in some circumstances, of course, the doctor is going to recommend an oral pain reliever. Uh, let's say you've had, you know, some kind of internal surgery as an example. Uh, as I did this summer, I was, I was actually, uh, I had this terrible abdominal pain. I thought I could actually ski my way out of it. I go up the mountain and back of our house every day. It was about a 2,000 foot climb. It didn't go away. I went to the emergency room and they looked at the cat scan and they go, oh my, that does not look good. We don't know what it is, but it doesn't look good. So I went down to Dartmouth, saw my surgeon and uh, he opened me up and came into the recovery room and said, you can ski tomorrow. <laughs> so there was an adhesion there. I cut the adhesion and I was I was all better, but you know, they did recommend taking some uh, acetaminophen and NSAIDs, you know, limited course, but I would only, I would really let your doctor know if you're going to take any of these oral medications, ask them what's safest and ask whether an oral pain reliever is really the right choice when you have these much safer options in the topical. Well, I like that. And, you know, with, you know, you are so active and, and I always encourage people that as we get older, we need to continue to stay active. We need to eat right. And so for you, what is, you know, I know that you paddleboard, you ski, you mountain bike. Um, and is there any other types of exercises that you do? And what is your uh, nutritional regimen like? So actually, I have a, a new book out called Flip the U-Switch. And what's interesting about it is the Palo Alto Foundation is a $500,000 reward for the individual who can take and bring their HRV score up to the point of a young person. So HRV, you may not have heard of it, basically, you know, if you're in your 60s or 70s, you'd expect it to be about 15. If you're 15, you'd expect it to be about 100. And I have been able to bring mine up and up and up and up and up, where I'm the equivalent of a 15-year-old in terms of my HRV. And physiologically, I certainly feel like, and I, you know, routinely kid, be kids in paddleboard races who are in their 20s. So I think the biggest thing, you know, as you get older is to be certain that you are getting those easy, easy, easy days. So for you with cycling, as an example, you know, go hammer, do that 40-mile bike ride on the weekend, you know, go up the anaerobic threshold, take that power meter, you probably have one, get up to 280 knots, nail it. But you know, take that day off Monday, be able to cycle back. And if you have an exercise like cycling where you're able to get a tremendous amount of stimulus, the thing I love about cycling is you can go out for, you know, 30, 40 miles, two or three hours, you know, without any of the consequences you have if you try to run that far. You know, nutritionally, you know, my big saving grace is I get up every morning. I actually have a, a lovely uh, African coffee, which is super, super high in polyphenols. And those individuals with the most polyphenols in their diet are the ones with the lowest all-cause death. I mean, it might not be a term people are familiar with, but it's the ultimate barometer. If you have the lowest all-cause death, it means you're not getting sick uh, and you may you know, live considerably longer. And so that, of course, is a combination of just, not just the high polyphenol coffees like the Kenyan and Ethiopian coffees, but it's also, you know, the, the acanthocyanins, you're getting the blueberries, in addition, you may be getting lots of fresh fruits. So my, my saving grace word is I do a super smoothie every morning because I'm not a big vegetable fan. I don't really like the taste of broccoli. It's Brussels sprouts and stuff like that, I'll admit. But 
I freeze all my fruits and vegetables. I put them in a great big Vitamixer. I put in some uh, frozen yogurt, a little bit of honey there, banana. And then I have uh, kale, collard greens, spinach, stuff like that. I never eat on my own. Blueberry, cantaloupe. Mix it all up. And because it's frozen, it is in the words of Barbara Rolls from Penn State, hiding your vegetables. Because you're hiding. You know, they're frozen. And you have that sweet taste there. And then that way, I, I legitimately get the five to nine fruits and vegetables I have every day. And then I get, a, I get an Amy's frozen burrito for lunch. Uh, it's super, super filling. Before I work out, I'll have a little, you know, Gatorade and fuel, of course, during my workout. And in the evening, uh, we try to get, you know, a nice piece of fish or, or chicken to grill. And then they have a, a little, you know, wild rice along with it. So I'm not perfect. I cheat once in a while. When I was a kid, I loved Hostess cupcakes, right? Uh, I love fried clams. I even know National Fried Clam Day, which is July 3rd. And so, you know, I enjoy life and, and have something once in a while. But by and large, I try to be pretty strict about my diet. And it's easy with the shakes. They're filling and they taste great. Well, you know, I, I, I agree with that, doctor. And, uh, you know, we do the, we do the smoothies. And, you know, and I look at the smoothies, not just for the antioxidants and for the fiber. I look at for the live enzymes that we need in our body because they just, we're, we need them everywhere. And they're just, it's like, it's like putting life back into our life when we, when we eat things like that. And, you know, to me, you know, um, I can kind of go down that same vegetable route like you do. And the smoothies is the best way to to get our daily servings into our body. And I've always encouraged a lot of my viewers and well, all my viewers and listeners go the smoothie route in the morning, kick your day off. Right. You know, there's no sin in drinking coffee. You drink it. I start my day off with a cup here, uh, in my own office every morning. And you're right. It's the polyphenols that we want to, to just to drive into our body. But I want to thank you, uh, for honoring us with your, your knowledge and your presence on our show today. Uh, I know that uh, your wealth of knowledge has just blessed my viewers and listeners uh, beyond anything that they could have imagined. And, and having someone you, someone like you on our program, again, has just been a complete honor, not just for me, but also for them. Well, what, you know, I, I think your viewers and, and all of us are, are blessed by your, uh, you know, your enthusiasm, your resilience. And as we, you know, pull out of the end of this uh, COVID uh, pandemic here. You know, we want to look back and say, as you'll be able to say, uh, did I do everything I can to help other people? You can't get into this uh, mindset of fatigue. It's got to be resilience. It's a great opportunity to be resilient and a great opportunity to sort of flourish uh, hopefully in the near future as the uh, vaccine comes on board and as we look at a, a bright new sky out there. Uh, amen to that. And, and, and doctor, it, it's people like you, uh, people like me, we are here to inspire, to motivate, to encourage people to better health and give them those natural health solutions that will put them on the, the, the right road to good health and optimal health. And ladies and gentlemen, for all of my viewers and listeners today, I want you to head over to salonpos.us. You can see it at the bottom of the screen there. And there is a special coupon just for you. So we want to bring that forth. And Salon Poss was very gracious enough to offer that coupon to all of my viewers and listeners today. So again, take advantage of that. 
if you're looking for topical pain, and you should be looking for to topical pain solutions at the top of your list, go that route first, just like Dr. Arnott has explained to us today, that is the safe route, the effective route, targets that localized pain that you wanna get relief from. So again, head over to salonpost.us and then download that special coupon, take it to the nearest store near you, and you will see a full line, and I mean a very large full line of Salon Pos, such as at Walgreens and CVS and other stores. So check them out. They are sold in all, in all the stores that are near you, so you don't have to travel far. And uh, again, thank you, Dr. Arnott, for your uh, presence today on our program, and many blessings to you. Well, uh, many blessings to you and your family. And I tell my kids every single day, you want to be uh, you want to be grateful uh, because we are are all are blessed, and it's with that blessings that uh, that we succeed both you know through our own good works and those of the generations that went before us.